This is the most important question. This was hands down, more people answered here, uh, asked this question than any one other. And I just picked the, the most succinct one for you to ask. answer. How do you share this message with unbelievers and others in the church? Hands down, that's the number one. So probably wouldn't be bad if each of us say what we feel about that. But Brother Jim, go ahead. You need a microphone, Ed. You need the mic. Yeah. There you go. You can just pass this thing around. Very, very briefly, I developed uh, four different quizzes uh, that could be used in a class and let the people fill out for themselves what the Bible says. One of them was, uh, why did John the Baptist lose his head? And they answered that and filled it out. And another one was, what does Mark 6 teach you know, about uh, uh, this? And uh, I, I found that when I told them they might be rebellion, when they told me, it was a little different. <laughs> Well, I think that the right thing said that the wrong time is the wrong thing. And I think we all need to be very sensitive to the Spirit as to what the Spirit is saying to you. And uh, I gave an illustration when I talked the other night where uh, this lady came to me, she'd married a divorcee. And uh, I just felt that the Lord didn't want her. She was having terrible trouble in her marriage. I didn't felt the Lord didn't want me to talk about it then. She came to my seminar. I did the salt and sugar. I did the salt and sugar solution. And she came back to me. She says, Mike, when you did that salt and sugar solution thing, God said to me, what are you doing getting caught up in someone else's salt and sugar solution? I knew the time was right. So I think got, it's a timing thing. And, and we've got to be bold, but we've got to be wise. Wisdom is the principal thing. In all I get and get wisdom, it'll promote you. It'll give you a crown of glory. It'll give you wisdom. Don't seek for healing. Seek for wisdom. Don't seek for wealth. Seek for wisdom. It's the principal thing. So we need wisdom. I think the church is filled with many different kinds of people. There's many who are fringe people. And there are those who are uh, people of influence and people of key leadership. I think to choose carefully the people we talk to and share this with would be a very key part to making a difference. I strongly agree with what Dr. Burkett said at the beginning. Uh, one of the best ways to teach is by asking questions, asking people to what they think of certain scriptures, what they think of this or that, and help them to reason out carefully what uh, God has taught us in his word. If people feel like they've come to the conclusion themselves, it's much more likely that they're going to be convinced of the truth than if I try to convince them against their will. If they come up with flawed arguments, I try to help them to see another way of looking at it. Have you considered this? Have you considered that? Have you thought about what the, what the results of, of your reasoning would be? In the long run, what happens if we follow through on that? And the idea is continuing to help them to 
get into this matter more and more so that they are pondering the consequences and uh, are able to convince themselves just from the scriptures. This is what God wants us to understand. What's, what's the exact question, Doctor? Well, there were several, and some of them gave specific situations of friends and relatives that were in the situation. Basically, how do you talk to people that are in the situation of worth remarried or unbelievers? Begin today. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I've been around um, talking about these things for a while, like you, Joe, and um, you get shot at a lot, and the older I get, the harder it is to dodge the bullets. But uh, I have kind of gone with the idea of be ready to answer those who ask of you. That's right because they're more willing to hear. And then um, to ask questions of them rather than making statements, because um, I found people really don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear it. And even if they say they do, like you're saying a while back, Mike, you give them an answer, they don't want to hear the answer. And so I'm, I'm real slow. I want to make sure they want to hear the answer. If somebody asks me, um, I'm, I make them wait and prove to me that they really want answers. They're looking for answers. And uh, then talk to them about what Scripture says and show them Scripture. So it's not because people say, so you think? It doesn't make any difference what I think. It's what does God want. Yeah. So Amen. to show them the Word and let them decide for themselves if they want to be obedient to the Word. I spoke for two hours. Three hours. Dr. Webb said he's spoken for two hours, so he won't say anything. I'll say the closing word. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So his spirit has got to be there. Oh, yeah, the, the quiz. Uh, Dr. Burkett said just make sure you're talking about some of these uh, quizzes and that he's done. On the table, on Dr. Burkett's table, on our table at the back there, there is the permanence of marriage. It's a quiz that Dr. Burkett did 25 years ago and is very plain. All the questions and answers, and you just fill them in. So be sure to avail yourself of that. Make copies of it. All our material is copyright. You have the right to copy it. Thank you. Okay. I have um, a couple of questions here that I'm going to kind of put together for brevity. We want to get to everybody. I don't think we will. Uh, several people asked about uh, understanding and studying the Bible, getting materials and different translations and things like that. And I'm just going to shoot from the hip a little bit and say we've got a bunch of speakers going on to give you material. We've got lots of materials back there with regards to translations. And I know that uh, Jim, I think, spoke about that the other day. Uh, you know, and they, they ask about one summer easier to read than others. And we understand that. If you've been brought up in the church, the these and thou's don't bother you like they do new believers, uh, you know, the King James and things. But uh, at the point, I don't care what translation you use, study does not mean read. Study means study. You need more than just a black Bible. That's where you start. But if you're going to be a student, a scholar of the Word, you better get you a computer, some software, and get you some other stuff. And we need a whole seminar on how to do that sometimes. So does anybody want to add to what I did there? We're going to the next question. Yes. I, I think that I asked a brother once, you know, on the top of the mountain praying, I said, why is it? that God did not make it 
as plain as the nose on your face. There is the mystery of ambiguity. The mystery of ambiguity. Jesus talks about the mysteries of the kingdom. The mysteries. Now he wants us to dig. He wants us to try and find out these things. And I ask this man, why is it that the Lord wrote? He could have written it so much clearer that everyone would have said, that's plain. There's no ambiguity at all. You can't read it two ways. And he made a profound statement. He said, if the Lord did that, men would live by the letter and not by the Spirit. And I think it's a profound statement. He wants us to search the Scriptures. God wrote it fairly clearly in the Old Testament, but then the attorneys got a hold of it. He wrote it pretty clearly in the New Testament, and then the Reformers got a hold of it. And that's why you and I cannot be denominational-minded. We have to be word-minded. It doesn't make a difference what our denomination says. What does the Word of God say? You may never find one that you'd have every dot every I the same or cross every T the same, but there are basic elements of truth that you can't compromise on. But you won't know what they are if you don't know what the Word of God says. As a young minister, when I first went to ministry, I got every kind of tape I could find and listened to every other pastor I could listen to, and I'd go through the Word and see if what they were saying is true. If it was, I'd underline it, and I'd write a little note next to it, and I, I began to build up some basic truths that I really needed. That was after five and a half years of Bible college before I went to cemetery, seminary. And uh, all these things are very important. You see, it doesn't say preachers study to show yourselves approved. It says believers study to show yourselves approved. Uh, it, it, if you say, I don't know that, well, that's fine today, but don't say that next week. If you're trying to find out about a subject, dig in. Then when people ask you a question, I found out. I, I'm sure you've met and I had the same thing. I'll be reading some of this stuff. Oh, that's a clear insight. And that week, someone will come and say, what about such and such, brother? Oh, wow, thank you, Lord. I just read about that. I just studied. And you'll find that'll happen in your life. But if you don't study, if you go to church and say, stuff it in, preacher, it's got to last all week. Don't blame God or anyone else if you have spiritual defeat. You can know the Bible from lid to lid. If you don't live right, you'll never understand it. I was talking to Brother Hard, the musician, Hard? Arthur, uh, Hardwick. Yeah, Hardwick, at the table. And uh, we were talking, Brother Lorne as well. And uh, I used a verse, he used a verse, and I said... In John 7:17, 7, it says, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God. If you do his will. Men say, when I know, I'll do. God says, when you do, you'll know. One of my mentors uh, made the statement over and over that wrong doctrine uh, leads to wrong behavior. And if you have the wrong teaching about this thing on marriage, there certainly will be wrong behavior. Most of my work is in the Spanish language, um, but I still think that uh, in whatever language, there's some basic tools we need to learn to use. Um, we need to learn to use a dictionary or several dictionaries very well. If you're going to do serious study in the scripture, you need adequate dictionaries. Um, you need to learn to use a lexicon. Fortunately today, 
even if you don't understand Greek or Hebrew, if you get a good lexicon, or two or three good lexicons, you can get a lot of research done without even knowing the original languages. Um, I think it's quite all right to refer to commentaries. I do that. But that's not your primary reference because the commentary already has his own conclusions. And you're trying to come to a conclusion on the basis of a proper analysis or exegesis of the scriptures. Um, Two of the tools that we need to learn to use well have been referred to uh, on various occasions in these conferences. One is proper exegesis of the scriptures. If we don't understand the text, we're never going to be able to arrive at a proper conclusion about what is right. Another one is hermeneutics. Um, I think one of the most valuable studies any Christian can do if he's serious about Bible study is get a good textbook on hermeneutics or two or three good textbooks, read them, study them, learn. Hermeneutics is not uh, simply an art. There is some art to it, but it's basically a science. It's a question of learning how to use the proper tools to interpret the scriptures. For instance, you don't interpret the Psalms in the, in the way you interpret uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation. You've got to understand some of the basic ground rules for properly understanding scriptures. This is before you draw conclusions. Don't start out with conclusions already established. Do your research. Um, do background research. Yet, if you can handle the, base, the original languages, of course, that's excellent. Although, most of us don't have an adequate understanding, even though we may have understood those, uh, those, some of those original languages, to do uh, uh, any kind of final research. But don't discredit what you can do in your language. There's a lot of material available today that uh, 20 years back was not there. We have a lot of tools to work with. Let's learn to use those tools. What all of these learned men just said, start today. <laughs> so, we, so we know what uh, Stephen's answer is going to be here. <laughs> Amen. Get on with it. Do something. I, I'd like to recommend again the idea of reading the Bible from cover to cover because it's my belief that God wants us to understand it and that he will enlighten us also. Uh, I, I think that Orville's suggestions about study guides are great. Um, I think that um, I, I honestly believe that I am proof that God does indeed choose the foolish to confound the wife. Wise. And I'm thinking, and I'm looking at Joseph halfway uh, on the other side of the continent, and uh, I'm over in, in California with, with no training, no experience, just trying to find out what God's Word says, and find out that it says the same thing that Joe's discovered it says. And he wants us to know. But I also, this is one of the reasons why I'm trying to get men who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the home to become more aware of their own spirit, their own human spirit, the one that God's spirit is supposed to indwell when we accept Christ as Savior, etc., where I, and I am supposed to purge myself of the filthiness of my flesh and my spirit. And if a guy doesn't even know his own spirit, 
Well, it's going to be awful hard to become spiritually mature and alert. And uh, as such, the Bible is a spiritual document. And so that's why I try and encourage guys to become more spiritually alert and aware. Okay. Oh, we're going to have... I was going to give the last on this. You'll go ahead. Just one thing I want to... Absolutely. we got to let them... I had, uh, I've had people say to me, oh, I've read the Word of God, but I don't understand it. And so they get discouraged. I said to them, you know, I had two babies in my house, and I fed them baby food, and they didn't understand it. But if they ate it, they grew. And there came a time when they told me they didn't want baby food anymore. They wanted regular food. You and I have to read the Word of God and de de develop a taste for it. Just take a word and then go to a concordance and find how many times that word is used in the Scripture and how it's used and so forth. Just begin to do little researches like that. And then find a, a little booklets on the subject and go through that and, find, and mark all those verses to begin to get subjects that you can get acquainted with. You, you, you have to learn how to crawl, and then you learn how to stand up, and then you learn how to walk, and then you learn how to run. But don't lay there on your back saying, I can't walk. Get up and do it today. Okay, uh, and I'm going to tell you the number one absolute best tool for in understanding what God's Word says, and that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I, I also have, I'm trying to get the multiple ones here together first. I have another one, and I think this one's going to be pretty, I thought the last one was, I thought I was just going to give the answer, and they'd say, okay, good, next one. Do I understand the word right? We had several of these. I'm just reading the one that's the most succinct. Do I understand the word right? If a person who has divorced his wife, remarried, has two children uh, with a second wife, does not leave this marriage, and dies today, he will go to hell. <laughs> well, I won't give you my opinion. I'll tell you what Paul said. Don't be deceived. He's not saying that we're saved by works. He's saying if, not if you sin, but he says if you live this lifestyle and die in this lifestyle. See, we have no problem in this country if we say if a man, two men, or two women living together their whole life die in that condition, they're not saved. That's evidence they're not saved. But because we have been twisted in our standards today to say, oh, you wouldn't destroy that sweet Christian family, would you? That They may be divorced and remarried, but look how they're serving the Lord in the church and all this. And they set up all these hypotheticals that make you feel, oh my goodness, I wouldn't. No, it doesn't make any difference. What does is, what is the Word of God say? It says they will not inherit God's kingdom. Now in Matthew, where it talks about the person that, that looks at a woman with a lust and said if, they don't, if they're not willing to cut off their hand and, and pluck out their eye and go out into eternity without those members, that they will be cast into the lowest parts of hell. And I've got about five different verses in Matthew where it talks where the fire is not quenched and where the angels of Tartarus are, are thrown and also where the rich man and Lazarus, they're all the same place. He's not talking about being set off to the side in another church. He's saying that that person, if they live that lifestyle of lust all the way through and die and do not repent of it, I didn't say it. Jesus said they'll be cast into the lowest parts of hell. So if a person looking is not going to heaven... What about the person who lives that lifestyle? Now, I didn't say it. I'm telling you what, it doesn't make any difference what I say. I wish somebody would interpret that differently for me, but that's exactly what he says. If you live this lifestyle. Another one is covetousness. The church is full of people who are covetous. That's my money. That's my property. That's, they, you don't even understand the first principle of being a Christian. You own nothing. 
You don't own yourself. You don't own your talents. You don't own your possessions. It's all God's. Oh, I, I, I return his tithe. I give his tithe. No, you return his tithe or you rob him. But that doesn't relieve you of the responsibility of the other 90%. He's going to hold you responsible as stewards. What do you think he's talking about in stewardship? Just the 10%? No, he's talking about all of it. All belongs to him. And there's some people that go through this life hanging on to everything they possibly got. And when they die, I have a neighbor that died. They left seven and a half million dollars. And somebody had to carry, the, the grave diggers had to carry the casket of that woman up to the grave because there wasn't another person there. And they had no one to give that money. They just went off to a bunch of uh, distant relatives. I thought, boy, you talk about emptiness of life. Emptiness of life. But the Bible says if we're covetous, my wife says, why don't you preach on all those subjects? I said, I, I've already got enough trouble. <laughs> but we need to analyze these things. That's what Jesus or Paul said. That they'll not inherit God's kingdom. I didn't say it, so that's all we can tell you. But brother, you've forgotten one thing. I'm being facetious. They'll just lose their rewards, brother. Yes, yes. They'll have a tin shanty in heaven yes. instead of a mansion. Yeah, they'll have to stand outside and look in. I've heard that. Okay. You have to answer that one. I can, but I won't. Brother Jim, I believe. Uh, I had one word to say about that. We've already said it. It's just repeating it. Uh, and two or three of those passages that deal with the list of sins we're talking about, uh, it has the uh, uh, participle in it in the Greek, and those that keep on doing it. And I, I knew of a minister, a young minister, that divorced his wife and married a young girl in the church. And four months later, she woke up and extricated herself from it. So she, she got out of it. But there are people who keep on doing this right. in the participial <coughs> way. And that's where we've got a problem. And the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom right. of heaven. Amen. Lifestyle. Right. My response is that's the wrong question. Um, the question is not whether you're going to go to heaven or to hell. The question is, are you going to be like Jesus? The Lord has made it very clear that his uh, supreme purpose in our lives is to make us like Jesus Christ. I think sometimes if our interest is too intense on what the end is going to be, we forget that between now and the end, we have a life to live. And uh, I decided many years ago, I'm never going to tell a person whether he's going to heaven or hell. I show them the word of God, and some of the scriptures are very, very plain. But they need to see what God says. I said, if you don't like that, your problem is not with me. It's with God. But you've got to respond to God. Let God work in your life. The wages of sin is death. Yes. I'm tempted to say, do what he says. <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking that we think in terms of we're taking something away from somebody instead of giving them something better, assurance of being obedient yeah. to God. Yeah. And I think we need to look at that. And, and you know, really, that's, the, that's not the point with just this. That's the point with unbelievers anywhere when you witness to someone, when you share the gospel. You, sh you share the good news, mm -hmm. not the bad news. Mm -hmm. Amen. Let's, I, I tell you what we have. I, this is going to be the last question. One more, this is going to be it. And uh, hopefully we can get this one. I have a whole stack. People wrote as many as 12, 11 questions on one piece of paper, on two pieces of paper. I try to give everybody a fair shot. There's a lot of technical questions about 1 Corinthians 7. There was a question about repentance. Things that I'm not so sure had really been covered, but the general topic had been covered. 
and, and there's a lot of it in the book, and, and so some of those. But I, there's one question I picked out. There were several like this, and I just want to get one of these types. And um, this has a little bit more to do with understanding the Scripture, and, and I, which I think is important. It says, in light of Ephesians 5.25 and 1 Corinthians 7.39, Romans 7.2 and 3, got to give them a little bit to get those things in your mind, uh, referring only to a woman is a male stander bound by his marriage covenant until his death. Oh, I thought that was kind of, so, what do you want to say? I have a good answer on that. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> What's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> I want to deviate and say that a woman has a vocabulary of 22,000 words in a day. A man has 12,000. I think Stephen Wilcox has run out of his quota. <laughs> In the book of Mark, chapter 10, Jesus very clearly says that if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. If a husband divorces his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. So there's no differentiation there. But the Jews, I mean, even Jesus, when they, I mean, the disciples, the disciples when they wrote the Gospels, they said there were 5,000 men there. Oh, and women and children too. Uh, the men dominated back then. Uh, it's hard for us to understand that, but they did back then. They dominated society. But uh, that's why they use those different terms referring to the men most often. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Good answer. Do it now. <laughs> I, I personally believe that the man is going to be held to a higher standard. Because it says, be slow to be a leader because you're going to be measured by a higher standard. And I think there's the spiritual leaders in the Christian community that we're going to be judged, as Romans uh, 13 talks about, we're going to be judged for the job we did. And I think that there's going to be a lot of men who are going to be grieved when they stand before God about how they did not illustrate something in their marriage that prevented the even need to consider divorce. So I think we're going to be held to a higher standard. Amen. Brother Ken, a good example of that in the Old Testament is if a king sinned against God, he had to offer a lamb. If a priest sinned against God, he had to offer a bullock. God required more of the priest and you and I, men are the high priest of our homes. And so there's a higher price for our sin. Yeah, 21st century Central Florida, we don't know the difference between a bullock and a lamb. <laughs> this is why you have to study the scripture. Okay, are we, are we finished? Let's, uh, let's, you know, I think we just ought to put our hands like this. These men have really ministered and will be ministering. And uh, we just want to pray for them a little bit. Father, we thank you for the uh, wealth of intelligence that you've given us, for the scholarship, for the abilities that you've given us. Lord, and as, we've, uh, as, we, as we go and we listen to these men speak, we know that your Holy Spirit is using them. We pray, Father, they would be faithful to the gift that you have given them to share the truths of your word. We pray, Father, that you continue to bless them, minister to them, encourage them in the things of God. Keep them, guide them, and direct them in Jesus' name. Amen.